Morning. Do I sound a little different this morning? <clears throat> Thank you for your patience with me this morning. I have a cold, and that's no fun, and, and so I'm going to do my best to bring God's Word. Is everybody ready for it? Yeah, yeah? all right. Um, so do this for me. This is going to be crazy. Go to the very end of your Bible, to the book of Revelation, all right? We're going to start there. We're going to be there for a couple of things this morning, um, but turn to Revelation chapter 21. So the very last chapter... You can't miss it, all right? <laughs> Go to the very end, very last chapter, Revelation chapter 21. We'll get there in just a minute. Um, if you haven't been with us through the month of September, we've been doing a uh, kind of a, a, a vision series for us. Like we normally we teach through books of the Bible, and um, we're going to get back to that next Sunday. Um, next Sunday, we're going to kick into the book of Genesis, right? Uh, anybody have one of these little bookmarks? If you have one, grab it, raise it up in there, wave it around like you just don't care. All right, all right, here we go. Whoop, whoop. All right, so, um, so we, um, because of illnesses and all that fun stuff, didn't get the whole reading plan done, but I wanted to get you at least this week, all right? Sound good? And so we put it on a bookmark for you, um, the reading plan for this week. Um, we encourage you to get into God's Word during the week, spend time with Him in prayer, um, reading scriptures, and, um, and God loves to meet us there in those places, and He wants to know how we're doing. So on the front of that card, you'll see the SOAP method is what we use, scripture, observation, application and prayer with the reading plan for this week on the bottom. You can read those passages each day. And on the back, really big, is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, which is going to be part of the focus of our message next week. So, um, so you can start memorizing uh, that passage. And some of you are like, Tim, that's a really long one. And uh, it's okay. Our brains are big. Did you know that? Maybe there's some things you need to forget about to put this in there, right? Like to uh, make room for God's word in our, in our minds and our thoughts. And so we do do memory verses around here. Um, and so we're in this series right now. We're finishing up, finishing up today called Unlocking Your Purpose. We want you to walk into God's purpose for your life, right? And we believe that there's four promises that we've been talking about that are the keys to do that. The keys to unlock the thing that God has called you to be and, and to be part of. And, um, and with that... We also have a memory verse that we've had, two memory verses for the series, and this one is 1 John um, 2.17. So we're going to read this out loud together, the memory verse for the series we're in right now. All right, is everybody ready? All right, this is what it says, everybody out loud. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. That's a good promise, isn't it? Like this world we know, poof, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be over someday. It, there will be an end to this. And yet, when we walk into the promise of God, the first promise is salvation. When we experience salvation, we get to walk into a relationship with him that lasts forever, in his presence forever. And that is a good promise from God, isn't it? Amen. Amen. All right, so, um, <clears throat> so with that, with these four promises that we're talking about, um, I want to give a quick over- overview. I've, I've started each of the messages with this overview, because we—oh, um, um, I'll get there in just a minute— See, my brain's not working. All right, so we're going to read a passage first. Because I want us to, to actually understand where it's all going to go, okay? What, what's the end of all these promises? What is the goal? What's the final destination? What is God's dream? And so I, I want us to read uh, God's dream for all of us and what he will be putting into place. So if you can, if you can stand with me in Revelation chapter 21, we're going to read um, this passage, and I'm going to read it out loud. Um, starting in verse 1, so 1 through 7 of chapter 21. And this is what it says. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there was no longer any sea. 
I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He, has, he who is seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this and I will be their God, and they will be my children. God, we long for that picture. We know that was a part of your dream in the garden. And we know that you will fulfill all the promises you have made, and this is one of those promises. And so today, as we talk about this last promise, God, I pray that you would open us up, open our minds, open our spirit up to receive whatever you want to speak to us, God. We know your word does what it wants to, and I'm praying that you'd give me strength in my weakness, and that your word would um, just penetrate our hearts, God. Encourage us today. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Awesome. You can have a seat. So so we look at the end, and it ends pretty well, y'all. Like, (laughs) right? Like, that is what God's going to do. And it's interesting, the language you hear in the very end is very similar to the language we're hearing in these four promises, isn't it? Because God is still the God of promise. We, we talk about this word promise, and this is what a promise is. It's an offer with a guaranteed result. That God is a God of promise, which means when he says he's going to do it, it's guaranteed to come in fruition. Like he will, not, um, he will not withhold his promise. He will always fulfill the things that he has said that he is going to do. And he's, he's still at work fulfilling promises today. And we take this all the way back to the book of Exodus is what we're talking about, right? So the book of Exodus is where God's people, the Israelites, were in the land of Egypt, slaves under Pharaoh. And God said, not my dream for you. That was not my intent. And so he sends Moses, Big Mo. Everybody remember Big Mo? So Moses comes. He says, Moses, you're my mouthpiece. You're my guy. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's like, no. He says, okay, watch out, right? And so then these plagues come until finally the last plague which we're going to talk a little bit about today, the last plague. Um, and finally says, get out of here. Like, leave immediately, right? And so they, they go to the Red Sea. They can't cross over. It's, and then God says, oh, no, this is no big deal. Moses raises his staff. You remember the movie? And the thing parts. And then they go across on dry land, and they start the journey with the relationship with God. These four promises we're reading are the promises that God gave that nation of Israel but the same promises that he still fulfills to us in Christ Jesus. We still have these promises, and he's still fulfilling them for us today, right? Uh, isn't that good news? Yeah? And, um, and so these are these promises, and they're called the I will statements because God says these. He says, I will do these things. And so this is what he said. He said, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. Promise number one, he's going to get them out of the land of slavery, Right? And I will free you from being slaves to them. Sounds a lot like the first thing he said, but it's different. I'm going to 
talk more about that in a second. And he says, the third one, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. We preached on that one last week, right? That, that God's outstretched arm is for us to pull us out and up. So many times we're in a lower place than God called us to be. His arm is there to pull us to the higher place he calls us to be. That is what he does. And that's what he was telling them. You're in a lower place. I'm redeeming you back to my original intent, my dream for you. And he says, and I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you from under the yoke of the Egyptians. And that's the one we're talking about today, the last promise, okay? That, that, that God makes that promise. I will take you as my own people, that God is longing for a people. Now, I'm going through this pretty quickly, so if you ever want to get caught back up, go back and watch all the sermons um, from this series. You can go on our YouTube channel and watch them. Um, but these are the words that we use connected to these promises. Excuse me. Um, and the first one, the first, I will bring you out, we use the word salvation, right? That God wants to save them. He wanted to save them from Egypt. He's like, I want to get you out of there. And that's the first promise for us is salvation. He saves us not from the, the land of slavery, but slavery to sin. He forgives us. We're forgiven now and forever. That's, that's a great thing, isn't it? <laughs> that we can be forgiven, justified, made right before God through Jesus Christ. He did it all. You did none of it. It is a gift that we reach out and we grab his hand and he says, I'm saving you from your sin. I'm forgiving you. And this is the phrase we use. This is where we say the lost get found. That, that, that God, <laughs> he's, he's looking for people. He's longing for people. He wants a relationship with people. And that first step he takes is, I'm, I'm pulling you out of sin and I'm forgiving you. I want you to be found in me. So that's the first one. He says, I'll bring you out is salvation. And we use the word connect, Okay. So we use the word connect, and the next word we use is grow, because you, once you get saved, you're still a little messed up, right? <laughs> like, I don't know if any new believers maybe are in the room or remember when you were first Christ follower, you didn't know everything the moment you got saved. It wasn't like, my, my life's perfect now. It's like, no, now there's still things in me, meaning the Egypt, they, they got free, the Israelites got free from Egypt, but Egypt was still kind of in them, because that's what they knew. That's the way they thought. And so now the second promise is, I'll free you from being slaves. You're no longer going to think like slaves. I'm going to take the slavery out of you. I took you out of the slavery. Now let me take it out of you. And that's this journey that he takes us on as Christ followers where we say the found get freed, that we get to walk into freedom from that sin, that we start to learn and grow, become more like Christ. And that is a journey and a process, right? And so that's what he does. And we use this word grow, which is the process of walking into freedom. This is where the found get freed, promise number two for us that we still walk into. We all good? And then the third promise, he says, and I will redeem you. And this is the first one that he says with two, how he's going to do it. Outstretched arm, mighty acts of judgment. And um, we use the word serve when we talk about redeem, because to redeem, Tim's definition is to bring back to original intent, that God had a purpose for you. He had good works in advance prepared for you to do. And so often we don't do them or walk in them, and it's not God's fault. It's usually our fault, right? Like we get misaligned with God. It's not God misaligning with us. And so when we make him Lord of our life, we start walking under his authority. We start living into his purposes for our life. And he starts to redeem, pulling us back to what he originally dreamed for us. That purpose, the good works that he has prepared. And this is where we say that freed people serve others. We don't think of this Christian faith as me. We think about it as we, right? It was from me to we. It's not looking in a mirror like it's all about what I get out of this. We look in a window to see what can I give out of this, right? 
And so when we grow and we walk into that freedom, that's what God does. He redeems our story. He redeems our past. He redeems even the wounds and the brokenness, and he uses them for his purpose. This is a good God who loves us and walks us on that journey. And so we use the word serve because we believe once you start to serve, you start to see God use those parts of your life. You start to experience the redemptive plan that God has that he wants to use you in his bigger purpose as a part of a body of believers, right? And so we connect, grow, serve, right? So those are the, the three promises that we attach to. And the last one is the word that we use, go. And that doesn't mean like, get out of here, would you? You know, that's not what we're saying. It's like, it's like we're sent. We're not just a body that comes and just gathers and leaves and comes and gathers and leaves and comes and gathers and leaves. Like that's consumeristic church, right? That's like going to the movies and going home and going to the movies and going home. Like that's not the church. We are called as a sent people, a body to represent heaven to the world that's lost and broken. And that's what we're talking about today. And so we use this word fulfillment because God's promise is that I will make you my own people. That he longs for a people. He's still calling a people. That was his desire in the garden in the very beginning. We're going to talk about that through the book of Genesis. And that's what we just read in the Revelation. His desire at the very end is a people. And so he's calling a people. And so we believe that if we're going to be part of that people, that God's people love people. We just do. Because God loves people, we love people. And so we're sent from here to go love people, okay? So those are the four promises that we're talking about. Connect, grow, serve, and go. Let's say those out loud together. Ready? Connect, grow, serve, and go. That is our vision here at New Hope. Our mission is to help those who are broken find wholeness in Christ. That is a journey. That's, that's our bullseye here at New Hope. That's what we want you to experience. How we do it is this, to walk you through these promises. And that's every ministry, every you know, class, every small group, everything we do is intentional to help you on that journey. To connect, to grow, to serve, and then to go and, and be sent by God. Now, in the, um, after, um, excuse me, after, um, after this happened, and after the Israelites were actually freed from Egypt, God um, implemented a celebration for the Jews, and it was called Passover. And so they would celebrate a meal together to remember these promises. And during this meal, they would actually take four different cups of wine. And some of you are like, sounds like my kind of party, right? Like, and so four different kinds of cups of wine. And, um, and in these cups, each one would be attached to one of these promises, and in, in these promises, at the beginning, they would drink from the first cup, and it, they, would, they would say the I will statement that, that God said, I will save you, salvation, the cup of salvation. And they thank God for saving them from slavery. And then they move, and then they eat some food and, and enjoy hanging out together, and then they go to the second cup, right? And the second cup, they would, they would thank him for freeing them from the cup of freedom. And so they drink from that cup and then they eat some more. And, and so each throughout the dinner and throughout the meal, they're celebrating what God had, has done to um, fulfill these promises for the Jews going back to the book of Exodus. Now, here's the interesting thing. We get to Jesus' time and Jesus was a Jew. Did you know that? Like, so he was a Jew and uh, the disciples were all Jewish. And so they were all together <coughs> and they were celebrating together. And, and um, I want us to go to the moment of, of the Last Supper, right before Jesus was about to be arrested, right before um, 
he was about to be, um, you know, on trial, then to be beaten, and then to be dragged through the city carrying a cross right before he was crucified on the cross. Before all of that happened, they had a last meal at Passover. And the, the, <clears throat> the disciples prepared all of it. They got it all ready to, in this upper room of, of, uh, of somebody's house. That the, I don't know if they knew the guy, but God said, go find a house. It's already ready. And that's where they went. So they could celebrate this together, these promises together, and celebrate Passover. Now, during Passover, they, they would do very specific things during the celebration. And one of the big things they would do is they would sacrifice a firstborn lamb. Sacrifice was a part of it. And it goes back to what they're celebrating. The very last plague in Egypt, the very last plague that was the final straw for Pharaoh to say, get out of here, was the worst plague of all. Because the very last plague was that God himself was coming over the land of Egypt. And he told Moses to tell his people, listen, I'm going to come and the firstborn of every household is going to die. The firstborn animal of every household is going to die. Now imagine that, okay? God had already done all the other plagues, so he was fulfilling all the things he said he was going to do. And this last one is the worst. Imagine that night. He says then to his people, Moses, go tell them, all of them are to go and sacrifice a lamb or a goat, a firstborn. And when they do that, they're supposed to barbecue. Woo, okay, that's the good part, right? They're like, go put it over a fire. Don't boil this meat. Like, put it over a fire, roast this meat, um, and enjoy the meal together. As, but a part of that, you're going to take some of the blood from that lamb, and you're going to put it on your doorpost. Now, I couldn't imagine, because this was brand new to them, so they're not thinking, oh, this is a normal thing we do. Like, they're like, what are we doing? Like, okay, I, I mean, we've seen God do all the other plagues, and so, like, we're going to do what you say. And this is what he said, take the blood and put it on the top of the doorpost and on either side of your door. And any house that has that blood on their doorpost, I will pass over. Meaning, you're protected. You're safe. Your firstborn will not die. And that night, God came, and all throughout the land, there was mourning and weeping and crying in this last plague. And, and even in the Pharaoh's household, his firstborn. And now he's like, what is going on? And that was the final straw for Pharaoh to be like, get out of here. Get all of your people and leave. It's like, you didn't have to get to this point, Pharaoh, but your heart was already hardened and it continued to get harder and harder and harder until you experienced the full wrath of God. Whoa. Just, this is a side note. It's way better to be on the side of God's grace than his wrath. And the thing is, God has opened his hand for all of us to be on the side of his grace. That's what God desires for all of us. But he wasn't. His heart was hard, or his heart was hard towards God. Be soft towards God. Especially when he's calling you, he's calling your name. And so this whole Passover meal was a reminder that God protected them. 
that they are reminded when they sacrifice a lamb, when they celebrate Passover, that that lamb and that blood was the thing that protected us as a nation. And it was the ultimate thing that led to these four promises being fulfilled was the blood of that lamb across their doorpost. Now, all of this is foreshadowing. Jesus is all over the Old Testament, y'all. If you don't know the Old Testament, you'll, when you read it, you'll understand it is all pointing towards Jesus. And so when they then, during Passover, are celebrating this, they don't, I mean, obviously the disciples, you know, they're not thinking, oh, this is a new thing that God's doing, that we're having our last meal together and we're just celebrating Passover like we did our whole life. This is what we do. We, we sacrifice a lamb. We thank God for his promises that got fulfilled because of that sacrifice. And, and that's awesome. So they're just thinking this is a normal evening meal, Passover with um, the Messiah. Whoa, I mean, that's a whole other level, right? With Jesus himself. <clears throat> and so they're doing that. They're drinking from these cups. They're enjoying the meal together. But then, then Jesus changes the script in this moment. And this is so cool, what he does. Um, and so in Matthew 26, we see this scene with Jesus and the disciples. And this is what it says. It says, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples now, this would have been a normal part of the Passover. It's like, okay, we're, we're, we're drinking from the different cups, and, and okay, Jesus is breaking bread, and he's giving it to us. That's awesome. You know, it was a very holy moment, but then he changes it. And he says, take and eat. This is my body. Huh? At that point, they're scratching their heads. Like, what? But even, like, Peter at this moment didn't raise his hand. Like, Peter, if you read, like, the New Testament and the Gospels, Peter, like, he was the talker. All right, so, so Peter was like, talk first, think second. Anybody like that around here? Right, right, so like, that's who Peter was. Not even Peter spoke up. He's just sitting there partaking in this. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. So it's, he's giving them a command, like drink, every single one of us have to drink from this cup. And then he says, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, for the forgiveness of sins. That's not a normal phrase during Passover when you're drinking from the cups. And Jesus is preparing them for something that they don't know is going to happen. And we can read, you know, in past tense, we know what's about to happen, what Jesus is about to do, and why he's saying the things he's saying. But what he's telling them is that this Passover is the beginning of a new covenant. The old covenant was connected to the old Passover. The old covenant was God fulfilled his four promises to Israel to pull them out of Egypt, to free them, that they would be his people, like all those promises. And that was a part of God's promise in the old covenant. And now Jesus is saying the old covenant is changing. This is the blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's like, wait a minute, no, no, the lamb was the one that did that. Like, we sacrificed the lamb, and it's a lamb's blood, and the lamb takes our sin, and, and that's representative of God forgiving us. It's like, no, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I'm the one that's going to be the new lamb. And he's getting them ready. He's getting them ready for what he's about to do. Now, here's the interesting thing in the last verse. It says, and I tell you, 
I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And this is an interesting part of the story right here. What we're seeing is that he did not drink from the fourth cup. I believe he stopped at the third cup, which is the cup of redemption. They drank from the cup of salvation, the cup of freedom, and the cup of redemption. He said, but I'm not going to drink of the cup of fulfillment until I'm drinking it with you in my Father's kingdom. Isn't that cool? That God is preparing them for a new covenant. <clears throat> this last cup that, uh, that when the Jews drink from it, they, in Hebrew, they call, it's the cup of Hallel. The cup of Hallel. It's where we get the root of our word, Hallelujah. That's, hallelujah means like completion, it's finished, it's awesome, right? Like that's what hallelujah is. It's like, hallelujah. Do you guys hear that the moment you hear the word hallelujah? Hallelujah chorus jumps, jumps in, right? And imagine the angels like always proclaiming hallelujah, hallelujah in the presence of God. This last cup is the cup of hallelujah. That he is waiting, Jesus is waiting to drink that last cup with you and with me. This last promise, this last promise of absolute fulfillment is the promise of Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. It's when we are all with Jesus forever as his people with no more sin, no more sorrow, no more brokenness. It's all done. It's all finished. It's all fulfilled. Hallelujah. This is what it says in Revelation chapter 9 and gives us this picture. Um, Revelation 9, 6 through 9 says it this way. It says, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, everybody say this with me, Hallelujah! Like that's what's going to be proclaimed in heaven. The cup of Hallel, the final cup of fulfillment with God himself. This is the mighty thundering sound in heaven it says, hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let's rejoice and be glad and give glory, give the glory to him because of the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride has prepared herself. This is the image of the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb of God. The, the promises of Passover and that last promise of the sacrificed lamb and the blood on the top and the sides of the doors, Jesus became the final sacrifice, his head bleeding and his arms spread out wide for us on the cross. It was a foreshadowing of Christ being the final sacrifice once and for all, the new covenant that we all can belong to in this cup of salvation to point us to the cup of halal, of hallelujah, of being in his presence forever. That is Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all these promises. And he is longing and calling a people to be his people to celebrate this last hallelujah together. This is what it says. It was given to her the bride, is Christ, uh, the bride is the church. We are the ones that Christ as the groom is waiting for that moment and that celebration, that party. Have you ever been to a wedding? Nobody, okay. Have you ever been to a wedding? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully they're not somber events, right? Like usually weddings are fun and uh, you dress up nice and you show up and people are smiling and laughing and you're celebrating together. And usually there might be a good couple, a cup of wine, a, couple, a box of wine or whatever. Um, but usually they bring out the best to celebrate, right? 
<clears throat> and so it, this is what we're seeing, this picture in the end. It was given to her uh, to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteousness or the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. It's like, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. Jesus, what he was proclaiming to his disciples, I'm not going to drink from this cup, this fruit of the vine, until that banquet. <laughs> and so we are all together. And, and we are wed, that we are partying, that it is finished and completed, and that we get to be one with God forever. That is the image of this last promise. This is the good news. This is the gospel. This is what God has done for us. Is this not a good word? Yeah, it's a good word. And it's a good truth, and it's, it's good for us to understand what he's done for us. Now, I only have two points, okay? Um, this is not a long sermon. I only have two points. And, and this is point number one when we're talking about this, is that God is calling a people to be with him forever. That's currently what he's doing. He's growing his church And I need you to catch the word that God is calling a people, okay? Because some people think that they can be a Christ follower all by themselves, that you can be a Christian and not really be connected to the church, connected to other people, and that's just not true. It's just not biblical. It's not scripture. It's, it's not God's dream in his picture. Because if you're all by yourself, you're not getting ready and practicing for the, the main event, right? The main event is a people. It's not, a, it's not just you and God and that's it on some island, it's a people. Like, it's you and all the other believers together with God forever. And so you need to understand you cannot find fulfillment on your own. Isolation is actually the enemy of God's purpose for you. You have to be a part of a people living and belonging, learning to love, and using your gifts. Because that's how you're practicing for the final promise, which is being with him and other Christ followers forever. You are a part of a people. And that people has been growing for generations after generation after generation. God has been calling more and more people. I can't wait to meet all the people. <laughs> I'm an introvert, y'all, but I still can't wait to meet all the people and celebrate with them and drink from the last cup of hallel, of hallelujah in God's presence. What a celebration that will be. Even introverts love a good party sometimes, right? All right, woo-hoo. <clears throat> And honestly, I don't think there's going to be introverts and extroverts when we're in heaven. I think we're all just going to be loving it, right? And, and living in it and enjoying it. So with this final promise, understand, number one, God is calling a people. That's all of us to be with him forever. That is his promise. And he's longing for that day. And he's going to fulfill that promise. I guarantee he's going to fulfill that promise. And here's the second part, all right? is that we then as Christ followers are called to invite the lost to know God. If God's calling a people and we're on mission with God, what are we supposed to be doing? Calling a people. We're supposed to be representing heaven. We're supposed to be leading people towards this God who saved us because he can save them. He has the power. His arm is still outstretched. He's still moving and calling people into 
salvation. This is who God is. We see the character of God in Luke chapter 15. I would encourage you, let's do this. Open your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 15, okay? Because this week, if you want to read more than just the reading plan, read Luke 15 and learn about the heart of God, okay? Because Luke 15 shows us the heart of God when we're talking about this. So Luke 15, um, it says this, starting in verse 1. This is a part of when Jesus is teaching. So in the Gospels, you'll see him often just surrounded by people, and they're making comments, and maybe they're eating meal, that kind of stuff. And um, in, in this moment, a tax collector, uh, tax collectors are, and sinners are hanging around Jesus, all right? So he's got, like, lost people all around him. And, and this is what it says. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, meaning the religious people, muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And that was not a compliment, all right? They weren't like, boy, this guy's cool. He's hanging around sinners and eating with them. No, this is a, this guy, he's hanging around sinners, y'all. And he's, and he's eating with them. That's the worst. And so Jesus is like, okay, these teachers, these Pharisees, the religious, don't understand my heavenly father. So let me share some stories. And, and in the following, there are three separate stories. I'm only gonna read the first one. You can go back and read the other two. You've probably heard them before. But this is what it says. Then Jesus told them this parable. So suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? It says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. It's like, we're going to party, y'all. Rejoice with me. I lost one. I got it back. I went. I found it. I brought it home. It's safe. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Jesus just zung them, right? That was a zinger. It's like, oh, you think I'm not allowed hanging around with sinners? It's like, let me tell you about heaven. Let me tell you about the dream. And remember, we're talking about the end banquet, the party, the final thing when they're all together. And Jesus is like, man, they don't get it. They don't see it. They don't understand it. They're actually accusing me that I'm hanging around with these people. You got to be kidding me. He's like, if you lost one sheep, would you not go and hunt that thing down and find it and party when you found it? Knowing that it wasn't killed, it wasn't attacked by wolves, it wasn't like that, that you were able to save that one sheep? It's like, that is heaven. Heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents rather than 99 righteous people that are just living good. It's like the repentance is the party. The sinner who gets found, the lost when they get found, that's the party. That's when heaven rejoices. That's when everything opens up. And, ah, you know, that kind of thing happens in heaven. And the thing is for us is that we are to be like Jesus, that we are called to be the ones that are going and finding the lost around us that we're called to invite the lost to know this God that loves us, that has saved us, that has given us a story of redemption, 
that is leading us on a path of freedom so that we can one day be fulfilled in his presence forever, singing hallelujah. This is why we use the word go, that God's people love people. That's what we're called to do. We can't just be about us. Um, We can't get comfortable with our own righteousness that we stop caring about the unrighteous and the lost. Why? Because God cares about the unrighteous and the lost. Because that's who Jesus really liked hanging out with. We should learn to like to hang out with them too and just love them. We're not there to judge them. We're not there to point our finger at them. That's what the Pharisees did. We're not there to be like, but they, but they. Well, of course, they don't know any better. Why would they act any differently? Why would they live any differently? They don't know the God that you know. So you love them. That's what you do. That's what we're called to do. That God's people, we just love people, all sorts of people. Smart people, rich people, poor people, crazy people, people who drive you nuts and people you love being around, all sorts of people. God loves people. And we gotta love them too. And so that's our final step in this process is that we are called to love people. Excuse me. So for you, and you're thinking about your life, we're thinking about these connect, grow, serve, go. You might be at different places, right? We all, we're all at different places in our growth. Um, all of us are called to walk into all of these promises. It's not like, well, I'm stuck on this one. I don't want to move forward. No, no, no. Like, we're all called to move into all these promises. Like, we're all called to do that as Christ followers. And so we're going to be challenging you. We've been challenging you through this whole series. Where are you and what's your next step? right? Take a step. Whatever that step is, take, just take a step, okay? And, and for this last one, we're talking about God's people love people. There are some opportunities for us to serve outside of the walls of this church and love people. O'Huddle is connected to our church in this building, this house right here. O'Huddle is a faith-based mentoring program that currently mentors over 500 students in our county. Is that not nuts? I remember years ago, it was like 100 kids, and like every year, God continues to expand that, and we're so grateful to have Sarah Reith and, and her husband Jason, their family, as partners at our church, and, and, um, and they're looking for more mentors. I'm telling you, do you think there's some broken students in the schools? Yeah. Could you be an influence and represent God's love to that student? Yeah. One hour a week. You could find a time spot. Maybe that's your step, is to sign up and to become a mentor. Um, Titan Christian Ed, Nikki talked about that in the announcements here that we partner with that helps kids, and it's all sorts of kids. It's not just the church kids that show up to Titan Christian Ed, all right? For some of these kids, this is the only Jesus they will ever get, is, um, is going to Titan Christian Ed during a school week. And so maybe you want to volunteer and help that help help uh, with that. We partner a lot with Pregnancy Care Center here in Worcester, and they're doing awesome stuff to reach out to, to people who are hurting, who are going through like very intense, even tragic situations, and they need support, help volunteers. Maybe you volunteer to help them. We talk about Compassion International here, that we sponsor kids in poverty, and um, Compassion's mission is um, to... to I know I was gonna remember it, to free um, children from poverty in Jesus' name. 
It's not just to get out of poverty, but in Jesus' name. Jesus is all over what they do, and they use local churches as their centers to do that. And um, I'm so excited that we get to go visit the center that we sponsor so many kids at. Maybe you want to sign up to say, I want to help that. I want to sponsor a child and start a relationship with a child. And, um, but there are opportunities for you to make an impact. Maybe for you, it's looking for the lost people at your workplace and your own family, friends that you have around you, and start praying for them. And the whole thing, you're not being manipulative. All you're doing is loving them. That's it. That's all God said. Just love them. If you see something going on in life, say, hey, can I pray with you right now? They might be like, that's weird. I'm like, it's okay. He, I, he talks to me, so can I pray with you? Yeah, okay. I doubt people are going to say, don't you dare pray for me. Like, no, people don't do that. <laughs> like, just take whatever step with the people around you to show them God's love, to be present. Now, some of you, your next steps may be some of the ones we've already talked about, going through growth track, getting plugged into Equip and joining that. That's just starting in October. We have a lot starting in, in the fall here getting plugged into a small group, a relationship with people who are going to pray for you and encourage you and go into God's word together throughout the week. There's lots of ways for you to take a next step. So I would encourage you, what is your step? Take it. Sign up. So there's a table still out on the porch with all the clipboards, with all the signups for all these things and all the things we've done so far. And here's the cool thing. I want to just remember this series and, and remember the promises that God gave, gave us. And so um, I bought bracelets, a bunch of these bracelets, these stretchy bracelets, you know, and some of them are keychains since it's like, you know, we're talking about, somebody got excited about that one because we're talking about the keys, right? Unlocking our purpose. So it's a key, a keychain. You can put it on a keychain. Um, so if, if you want to grab one of these, we've got hundreds of them. There's a basket in the back. Um, grab, there's lots of colors and all of them have scriptures on them. They're all covered with God's word. And they're different scriptures, like this one. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Well, that's a good reminder to have on your wrist, isn't it? Right? And this, what does this keychain say? Let all that you do be done in love. Boy, that's a good one, right? I just talked about. So there's scriptures on. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to take one, put it on, maybe put it on your purse, put it on your keys, however you want to do it. And when you do this, I want you to remember God's promise. That's it. That God is a God of promise and that he promises that you can be saved, you can be freed, you can be redeemed, and you can be fulfilled in his presence. So I want these to be the reminder of God's promise in your life. So when you leave, you can grab them at that table in the back. They're also at the sign-up table out on the porch. Grab one. There's lots of different colors. So there's guy colors, girl colors, whatever you want, okay? Um, <clears throat> I encourage you to just take one, though. Don't take like a handful. Um, but use, use it just as a reminder of God's promise in your life, okay? Um, I want to pray for us um, as we kind of wrap up this morning. So let's, let's just take a time of prayer and response. God, thank you for giving me strength this morning to preach your word. Um, God, thank you for these promises that we get to walk into. Excuse me. And God, that we are, that we are still walking into these promises today. Thank you that all of your promises we have learned through this series are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. That Jesus is the fulfillment of every single one of these promises for us. And God, this morning, I, I'm sure there's some that feel far from you or maybe they're trying to come back to you or maybe they're here for the first time or watching online for the first time. God, I pray that you just show yourself personally to them. That they would know you're not far off. That you're not far away. That you're right here. 
and that you want to walk with them. God, I pray those of us in this room that have kind of stagnated in our walk or maybe we've just kind of stopped, that you would help push past fear to move into faith and to take a step, God. I'm trusting that you'll do that this morning for many of us and that we would take a step. And God, I want to I want to pray for those this morning that don't know you yet. Listen, if you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Him, that first promise is is still there. That God wants to save you. Meaning, it, sin has to be dealt with in your life. Your sin makes you imperfect and unclean before a holy and perfect God, and your sin puts you in opposition to God. And God knew that. And that's why he sent his son Jesus, like we talked about, to be the final sacrifice to pay for sin. His blood shed, his body broken, so that you can be forgiven. And today, if you want that relationship, that's all you have to do. You confess and you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and that he is the son of God and that you want him in your life. And you can be saved. And so if that's you this morning, you can pray right now. You can just say this. Say, God, I want to know you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm broken. And I'm asking, would you forgive me of all my sins? Would you make me new? I'm confessing and I believe that Jesus is your son and that he died on the cross for me and paid for my sins on that cross. His body, his blood broken for me. And so please forgive me. I repent. I turn away from my sin. Enter into my heart. Enter my life. God, give me your Holy Spirit. Save me. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. And God, for all of 